I just want to pick up today from where Louis else was sharing last week. And I know that we're in the midst of a challenging moment. Um, it's great to be in stage four, and I trust that you're feeling a little bit fitter and energized and getting some exercise, but it's still a bit of a challenge. And here's the thing, it doesn't matter who you are or what you're going through, we are all going through. We are all going through something. And those some things can look a little bit different. If you are living and if you are breathing, you are going through something. Maybe you're going through something in the area of family life. Maybe you're going through something in the area of marriage. Maybe you're going through something in the area of schooling your kids and homeschooling. I'm going through a little bit of something there. Maybe you're facing some things in relation to your job and your finances or the lack thereof. And today I want to speak about that. And I want to speak about how do we get through that which we're going through. How to get through what you're going through. And we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 43 verses 1 to 2. We're going to start off there. And it's a passage that's dealing with the people of God when they're in a time of captivity and exile. But God's presence is with them and he's leading them through into all that he has for them that'll be for his glory. And so if you can turn there or switch on your devices, I'm going to read from verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear. It's a command and not a suggestion. And he's saying, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. It's possessive. He's saying, you are mine, so do not fear, because you belong to me. Verse 2 continues to say, when you pass through. That's what I was meaning. We're all going through something. When you pass through, it says, I will be with you. Then it says a second time, when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And then for a third time, it says, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And we, as I've mentioned, are in this time of COVID-19. We're in this time where we're in stage four. And I'm not talking about load shedding. I'm talking about lockdown. Uh, we're navigating all of these things. And, you know, you can get to the place where you think, you know what, I'm just done. I'm just through with it. But God would say to us, no, I'm wanting to bring you through it. And so that is the encouragement I want to bring today. If you're watching with anyone, turn to them and say, we are going through it. Just uh, give that statement of faith. And that's what this passage is dealing with. And we see here that we are going through things like fire. And we see that we are going through things like water. And the key thing it says, it doesn't say if you go through the fire and if you go through the water. It says when you go through those things. It's a matter of when. We're going to face these challenges in life. They're difficulties. They're hard things to navigate. But the encouragement comes in knowing this, that God is with us. We are not alone. We are not on our own. And while we are going through these things, He is going through with us. And there are two elements mentioned here. Fire and water. And I mean, these two are complete opposites. But they both have destructive capabilities. And there's something in why... The, this metaphor has been given of these two things. I mean, they can be a little bit drastic. I, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, we used to say, you know, what would be the worst way to die? A little bit uh, somber, I know. But they would often say, and people would say, the worst way would be to burn to death or to drown. And so here it's mentioning fire and water. And it's speaking of these things that are difficulties, but not only difficulties, there's something about them that's very severe. But God is saying this, in the midst of the worst situation, circumstance, difficulty, and challenges you might face, in the worst picture you can conjure up, you need to know this, I am with you, 
and I'm going to bring you through. That's the promise that we have here, even as we're acknowledging his presence. So it talks about fire. And it says, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You see, fire is consuming. It consumes just about anything that it touches and turns it to ash. And we know that it burns, it's painful. And there's something in us that we recognize the usefulness of fire, but we also have an instinct to extinguish it because we know the damage it can cause. And that's why we have fire departments and fire hydrants, and we so appreciate firemen because they can extinguish that which would cause damage. And sometimes we want to say, Lord, why don't you just extinguish the flames? You know, rather than take me through, why don't you just extinguish it? But that's not what the passage says. It says that he's going to help us walk through it. And there's something miraculous in that itself. When he takes us through the fire, not just extinguishing the fire. We see it with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. That they headed into a fiery furnace. But there was a fourth person in the furnace because the Lord was with them. They went and bound. And the fire removed that which bound them and they came out free. When we go through the fire with the Lord, we come out in greater freedom than when we entered. That's the beauty there. This passage also speaks about the waters and rivers. And it says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the, water, the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. We're not talking about streams here. We're talking about raging rapids, rushing rivers. And that can be intimidating. That can be um, daunting because those waters are unstoppable. We've all seen the damage that flood waters can do. And we as humans, when we see this, we like to build bridges because we'd rather go over this. It's quicker, it's easier, it's drier, it's less messy. And sometimes in life, there are bridges. We can get some marriage counseling, which helps us to navigate over the difficulties in our relationship. We can get some debt coaching, which brings us into financial freedom. But often with bridges, we start to maneuver, we start to come up with our own plans and think this is how I'm going to get myself through this. And they are man-made. The interesting thing is if you look in scripture, you'll never see the word bridge mentioned. You see that God moves miraculously. He divides waters and he separates the Red Sea and the Jordan River so that people can come through. And this is who he is. He, he works miracles. Maybe you've been to the doctor and you've got the report that comes back and says you're cancer free. And we, we celebrate that. Maybe someone's heart has been moved upon to give generously and your debt is wiped out, as I mentioned. And we celebrate that because he is a miracle working God. And sometimes God moves miraculously on behalf of you. But sometimes it's that he chooses to work transformationally within you. Sometimes the greatest miracle is not what's going to be removed from us, but it's who is going through with us. And that's what we're seeing unfolding in this passage as we read through it. He's saying, I'm going to take you through. I'm taking you through the waters. I'm taking you through the fire. I'm taking you through the river. You see, sometimes there's no bridge. Sometimes the waters don't part. And sometimes he's just saying, no, I'm wanting you to go through. And the, the interesting thing that I've picked up about rivers is they're not meant to be those raging waters, should I say. You're not meant to stand in them. You're meant to go through them. You know, if you try to stand in a river, you try, have to try and brace your legs. But as the current comes, it moves you and it can change your course and it can change your trajectory. And if you're not careful, it can draw you under and it can overwhelm you and swell over you. We weren't designed to stand in rivers. And in the same way with God, we are meant to be walking through these things with him. 
You are not called to, in the same way, stand in defeat. You are meant to walk through defeat into the victory we have in Christ. Don't stand there. We're not called to stand in depression. We're called to walk through depression into the joy that he has set in place for us. We're not called to stand in anxiety. We're called to walk through that anxiety and to emerge in the peace as he leads us as the Prince of Peace. We're not called to stand in unforgiveness, but we're called to walk through unforgiveness into the forgiveness that comes from knowing what he's done on your and my behalf. We're not called to stand in addiction. We're called to walk through addiction into the freedom that he is setting us into. We're not called to stand in the middle of our circumstances. It will tire us out. It will overtake us. It'll overwhelm us. It'll sweep over us. We're not called to stand in shame and guilt and condemnation. We're called to walk through our past and into the future that God has for us. And so sometimes these circumstances, these difficulties can discourage us so much that we feel that they are delay and a detour. And I fully understand that. But when Jesus is walking with us, we need to realize that delays and detours can become divine doors of destiny and opportunity. That's what happens when we know who is walking with us rather than what we are walking through. That's the encouragement that's coming as we know his promise, but his presence as he's leading us in his purpose through these passages. And he's saying to us, I want you to walk through it, but I'm walking with you. There's something powerful about walking. We see it with the city of Jericho with its mighty walls as the people had to go around it seven times. I mean, that could have seemed discouraging. They could have thought, no, I want to give up. You know, after the sixth time around the city, nothing's happening, nothing's shaking, nothing's rolling, nothing's taking place. But they just decided, hey, we're going to keep walking. We're going to keep journeying. We're going to keep believing God and his promise. And on that seventh time around, the walls came tumbling down and everything changed. And so this is the encouragement. This is what we see happening in this passage. It's saying, keep walking, keep pushing forward, keep knowing my presence with you, keep taking hold of my promise, keep believing in my purpose. And maybe you've walked through a situation where there's been loss in your family, and he wants to say, I'm with you. Maybe you're going through a situation where there's uh, relational challenges, and he's saying, I'm, I'm with you in the midst of that. Maybe you're going through some difficulty with your kids. Uh, I'm sure most of us are as we trapped in the home experiencing interesting moments there. But he's saying, no, I, I'm with you and I'm, I'm with you in my redeeming, restorative power. Um, I'm wanting to bring wholeness and unity and life. You see, when we face fires, they're hot. We've said that they, they bring heat. But here's the promise. You won't be burned. When we face rivers, they're cold and they, they push us and they pull us. But he's saying you won't be overcome. That's the promise that we have here. And so as we look at this, there's a question that arises. We're saying, Lord, you're telling me I've got to walk, but why? You know, if you've got teenagers in the home, as I do, you, you might be hearing that question a lot. Why? Why do we have to do this? Uh, but even as we look at this, there's a reason that he's wanting us to walk through these things. You know, you might be saying, Lord, why don't you build a bridge? Why don't you just extinguish this fire? I've heard some other people's testimonies that you've done it. Why don't you do it in my situation? But I want to give you a little analogy that really spoke to me as I looked at this and asked this question, why? You know, you might, when you go to an airport, and I'm sure we're all desperate, we want to get to an airport, get on a plane, go anywhere we can go. We know that that's not happening at this moment. But when you go to an airport, they have metal detectors. And as you go through the metal detector, you go through and suddenly it'll beep and you'll think, ah, oh, I forgot my keys. And you take your keys out 
Then you try and go through the metal detector again and it will go beep, beep, beep. And then you think, oh, I forgot to take my belt off. And you've got to take your belt off. And there's something that happens that's alarming every time you go through. What's happening? I want to say this is what's happening. It's detecting things in you that need to be removed before you can proceed to where you're going. It's detecting things in you that need to be removed before you can proceed to where you're going. And in the same way, that is why God takes us through these moments. It's like through a metal detector. He's saying there are things that are, are not um, giving you life. They're robbing life from you. And I need you to remove those things so that you can come into the fullness of life that I've purposed for you. Maybe you've got some fear. And he said, I'm going to go with you through these things so fear can be removed. Maybe there's some remnants of pride. And he's saying, no, I want you to go with, uh, through this so that pride is removed. Maybe there's some other issues you're facing. And he's wanting these things to be removed from our life. You know, the purest metals in the world go through the greatest heats so that they can become totally refined. The refiner's fire. Such a beautiful picture. And God loves you too much to send you to a place where something inside you is going to rob you from the fullness that he's purposed for you. And so that's the encouragement with what he's doing here. It's not to hurt you, but it's to help you so that you experience the fullness of what he has. And there's this picture that we see in James 1 verse 2. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That word produces means it accomplishes, it achieves, it's rendering you fit for something. That's what's happening. It's producing it. It produces perseverance. And then it goes on to say, let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He wants to see you mature. He wants to see you complete. He wants to see you whole. He wants to see no lack. He wants to see you in the fullness of what he's purposed for you. So I want to pull out four things that I believe that the Lord is wanting to declare over us from the remainder of this passage. And the first one's in verse 16. It says, this is what the Lord says. And it's significant because there's so many other voices we're hearing at this moment. Politicians, journalists, conspiracy theorists, friends on Facebook and Instagram. But the scripture says we need to be alert and attentive when the Lord is speaking. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army, the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. And he says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. And so point number one, I believe that God is saying, and he's wanting to declare over us, over us, I have done it before. He's saying, remember how I've moved powerfully, mightily, miraculously, with my presence, with my promise, with my purpose, with my people before this. Right when you're in the middle of it, in the middle of the fire, in the middle of the river, in the middle of the uncertainty and the difficulty, remember what I've done previously. And this is significant because the word remember is mentioned 130 times in the New International Version. And it's something that even Jesus said at the Passover meal. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Because he knows that as humans, we can so quickly lose focus so quickly get caught up in our circumstance and what's surrounding us. And he's saying, no, I need you to remember who I am. My character, my nature, my power, my heart, my redemptive inclination and my restorative working for my people. Remember these things. But then it's almost like the story changes on us rapidly because it's like God's thoughts suddenly pivot because he's saying, remember this. And then in verse 18, he goes on to say, now forget the former things. It's like, remember, remember, remember what I've done before. 
Now forget it. And you can almost think, well, Lord, what do you want me to do to remember or forget? And it's both. It's like being in a car. It's so significant that we have a picture like this to focus on because we need to be looking in the rearview mirror to see that which is in our past, to see that which he has done. But we cannot go forward while we keep looking in the rearview mirror. We need to turn our attention to look through the windscreen into the landscape, the open vistas into which he's leading us. So he's saying, yes, remember what I've done, but now forget it because I am going to do something totally different, something totally new. So point number two, we're going to see in verse 19, it says, see, I am doing a new thing. In the New King James Version, it says, behold, I am doing a new thing. And I love this because point number one says, remember that God's done it before. Point number two is this, we're going to stand in awe. And when you look at that word behold in the Hebrew, it means to perceive with inner vision. It means to perceive with enlightened hearts and spirit. It's not to be caught up with what we see with our physical eyes, but it's to perceive and behold him in awe and the wonder of who he is, no matter what's raging around us. And I love this because the passage says we do this right in the midst of our struggle, right in the midst of the river, right in the midst of the fire, not when we get to the other end. You know, it would be easy to get to the other bank and to look back and say, oh, look what God has done. But this is saying, no, right, right in the middle of that, when you're going through it, I want you to stand in awe and behold the wonder of who he is right here and right now. I want you to be able to praise in this moment because it's your praise that brings through the breakthrough when you behold who he is. That's the encouragement that is coming here. So point number one, he's done it before. Point number two, we stand in awe. Point number three, we see in verse 19, it says this, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? So the third point is this, I'll do it again, but I'll do it different. You know, we can get so caught up in what God has done yesterday and yesteryear, and that's magnificent, but he's wanting to do a new thing. We can get caught up thinking, you know, my marriage, the way it used to be, I would love it, Lord, just to return to that. Or my finances, the way they used to be in years gone by, Lord, they were so blessed. Can you take me back there? Or the way my children used to behave, I want to go back to when they were that age. But the Lord is saying, no, do you not perceive I'm moving? I'm doing a new thing. Don't get caught up looking in the rearview mirror. I want to bring you into new territory, new spacious places in me. And it takes faith to receive and partner with God in what he is wanting to do. And that which hasn't happened yet. We can be in that place where we're on the other side of the fire, on the other side of the river. We're not there yet, but faith means we can believe that we're going through it and not get caught up with being in it. And so we need to stir our hearts in faith. Faith that even though we might be feeling anxious, that we're not going to remain there. Faith that even though we might be feeling hopeless, we know that he's leading us into living hope. Faith to know that he is working things to the good, even though we might feel like we're in the worst situation that we've been in. Faith does this. It brings a resiliency to who we are. And so Isaiah 43 verse 19 says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I just find that verse so encouraging because what it is not saying is, George, you've got to figure this out. George, you've got to make a way for this to happen. Rather, it's the Lord saying, George, in a sense, you get out of the way and I'm going to make a way in the midst of the wilderness. The wilderness speaks of, in a sense, being lost, not knowing where you are, not knowing where to go. But he's saying, I'm making a way. And if you've ever been lost and you found a road, it gives you some, such comfort because you might not know where it's going, but you know it's going to lead you somewhere. 
And in the same way, when God is with you, when he is making a way, you might not know exactly how this is going to unfold, but you know he's going to get you to the place that he is desiring to take you. And then it goes on to say, and he's going to bring streams in the wasteland. A wasteland is a place where nothing grows. There's no life. There's no purpose. There's no future. There's no hope. But it says he's going to bring streams there. And streams speak of life. They are a resource that bring growth wherever they go. And he's saying, in the midst of the wasteland, I am going to bring resource to bring life, to bring growth, to bring productivity, to bring fruitfulness to who you are. In the middle of your financial struggle, relational struggle, vocational struggle, in the midst of that wasteland, I'm going to bring streams of life right through the middle of it. So don't be in that place where you're thinking, no, I'm just through with it. Realize that he is with us and he is bringing us through. How do we get through the fire? How do we get through the river? It's to remember he's done it before. Number two, that we get to stand in awe. And number three, he'll do it again, but he's doing it in a new way. Let me pray with you. Father, I just thank you that we can find such courage, such life, such hope, such direction in your word. I thank you that uh, we know that our future is as bright as your promises. And as we read through this passage, there's just the promise of your presence with us and the purpose which you're leading us in. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and just comfort us in this, that you would just anoint us afresh that removes any heaviness off us, but it just empowers us for that which you're calling us into. I just pray great grace over every individual, every family, every household, and over this community. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.